2: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal Extra Time. It's Wednesday, so 24 hours later than usual, but of course it was Champions League night last night. Arsenal in action against Alonso, myself and James decided to delay the, uh, the podcast, the show, whatever we want to call it now, to hopefully discuss a nice Arsenal victory. Hasn't quite
1: panned out like that, has it, James? Yeah, but I mean, it's been so long since we spoke. I think we actually do have two victories we could choose to go through instead. The um, Brentford win and Bournemouth. I can't yeah, even remember. It's been geez. a lot of football this week, hasn't it?
2: Shall we just talk about them instead? Forget.
1: They were forget, great. Uh, yeah. Love them. <laughs> forget about what happened
2: last night. But yeah, Nothing just happened focus yet. on something that happened eight days ago. Um, yeah, I was disappointed last night. I so we're going to get stuck into that. We'll talk about the talking points from that. We'll look ahead to Man City. We've got... Questions as well from people. Understandably, a big, big sense of disappointment really around today. Not surprising. What did you, what did you think of Actually, let, Before we dive into Arsenal, let's. No, no, I'm going to change my mind. I was going to talk about Manchester. I, I, I was going to say United first. Let's start on a high note and laugh about Manchester United first. But I'm not going to do that because I think we've got to talk about Arsenal. But well, we will talk about Manchester United. We'll tie it in, but. I mean, look, you were watching last night. I don't know. I, I find I'm finding this one quite hard to sum up. Really, I spoke about it on my show this morning. It was a, it was a weird game. I thought it was a game that Arsenal had absolutely firmly in their grasp, wasn't it? And I think that's the disappointment today that they've somehow managed to just to sort of let it slip through their fingers and 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 not just in a draw, but an actual defeat. It's really disappointing.
1: Yeah, it's frustratingly niggly and I feel like I don't fully know how to process it because, you know, I think at least since the turn of, at least since the World Cup or possibly even before then, every defeat has felt like this cataclysm and and has been, frankly, a sort of cataclysmic event that is going to ruin the greatest year of Arsenal supporters' lives, isn't it? You know, when Arsenal lost to Man City... uh, being at the Etihad was like being punched in the face repeatedly. Um, when Arsenal lost to Notting- uh, Nottingham Forest as well, it was like, you know, it was like someone just walked up to you in the street and kicked you in the balls. And then this one, you kind of don't know how to process it because I look at this defeat and I think, look, I'm still pretty convinced that Arsenal are going to top this group. As an It's it's more of an annoyance, isn't it? Of like, oh, could have been easy, it, and it's not, it looks like it might not be now. I still think that the other three teams around Arsenal are going to take so many points off each other that Arsenal should should find it fairly easy. And it's also true that, you know, with a semi-neutral hat on, I quite enjoyed this sort of special, This you know, such a special occasion for Lons, isn't it? First Champions League home game in about 23 years, 25 Mm. even maybe, whatever it was. I remember the games they played at Wembley. So um, you're beaten by two brilliant goals. You're a bit off it as a team as well in Arsenal. But it it doesn't feel like the sky's caving in, except for the one thing, about the fact that on Sunday, that defeat will feel like that. And it feels like Arsenal are going into it in a much worse position because kind of where this game for starts and ends for me, at least is Bakayosaka's Saka's injury, isn't it?
2: It is. It is. We won't talk about that just yet. Cause we'll talk, we'll move on to that. I think we've got, going to have to dedicate a large part of the show to that and the reaction to it, the fallout from it. Um, but I mean, performance wise, it was just a weird game. I mean, Arsenal started this game really, really well. I thought they were in, they, you know, Lons, as you would expect with that sort of atmosphere, they probably five, 10 minutes, they were on it and they were pushing Arsenal back. Arsenal weren't under any great pressure, but you know you expected that and I was watching it with my dad and I and and I, I was saying to him I was like you just got to get through this little period here mm. and, and get a foothold in the game and they did exactly that and then they got the goal it was a really good goal by jay Z's, and then they were just so in control for the next sort of 10-15 minutes they're passing the ball around their dominant possession and it was just pretty mad how in the space of a few minutes everything just flipped on its head and um, I mean, talk about the positives first of all. I mean, it's a really good goal by Jésus, isn't it? That's what, what you really want to see from Jésus when he gets an opportunity like that to stick it away, you know, be that sort of clinical in front of goal. And it's something that's been questioned of him since he's moved to Arsenal, even before he's moved to Arsenal. But that was, that was really, really clinical and continues his fantastic record that that he uh, he has in the Champions League.
1: It Really, really, uh, really encouraging because with him, it feels like this isn't just a, a one-off. I think he's looked great in every game he's played since he came back from that operation even playing out wide but like through the middle this guy is is so strong it's still the case i think that he's not at full full tilt because i felt he faded quite a bit in the second half like a lot of arsenal players did but with him in the team there's such a snap from the top Right the way down, there's energy and I need to dash to go and get the doorbell. Uh, so you're going to need to vamp for a minute while I do that, because I'm in almighty trouble if I miss this package.
2: I will vamp. I will vamp. Don't you worry. I've uh, about four four years of doing this uh, doing this channel. I've certainly grown accustomed to vamping, shall we say. So we'll let James go off and get his door. I think I've done about five shows with James now, and this is the second time his door's gone off since, uh, <laughs> since we started it. Um, yeah, and it, just sort of continuing on what James is saying about Gabriel Jesus and his form, I think that's been a real, real encouragement this season. I remember sitting here at the start of the season and um, sort of discussing who I felt was going to have a really, really big season. I felt it was Jesus. I was convinced he was going to score 20 goals this season, and I've not seen anything yet to suggest that he won't. And I thought the way he took that goal yesterday the way he took the goal against PSV as well, the fact that he can finish like that, I think it's a real, real positive for someone whose weaknesses as is, as a striker is believed to be his finishing. I think what we've seen so far this season is a is a real big plus point. So I've vamped for a while, James. It's your turn to uh, to take it on and continue on what you were saying about Jesus.
1: I, I, I just think there's something of... Uh... Sorry, I did get my package. I'm still still going through my head, but it wasn't what I was expecting. But there's
2: just so. uh, Am I going to have to vamp again in about sort of twenty minutes time?
1: Quite, quite possibly. (laughs) Quite possibly. I I mean, there definitely is something about these European nights that he loves. I remember that at City as well. It, you know, I think it was after one of those games that Guardiola said he might only play ten minutes, but you'll get the best ten minutes of his life. And I think he he's risen to these occasions for Arsenal so well. It, it it's almost like he demands a little bit more of the team around him, and he certain I certainly felt like that early on against um, against Lons. Uh, really good performance by him, but like a lot of the team, it it all sort of petered out. I feel like maybe he to get to get him to the very next level. I'd love to see him and Martinelli back together because I don't think there's quite the same understanding with Trossard. They don't know. And that's normal because, you know, there's cultural, you know, there's this sort of cultural, emotional understanding of these two Brazilians who probably learned, who maybe learned to play football in a very similar way. And I think Trossard is quite technical, quite considered. And Jesus and Martinelli, while they have all those qualities, are a little bit more direct. So it felt still like eight out of 10 Jesus, but eight out of 10, Jesus is a very good player. Hmm. Okay, so
2: I mean, what went wrong after that, really? Because they were so in control. Look, it was a brilliant goal, Lon's goal, the equaliser. It came out out of absolutely nowhere. Um, obviously, Raya's clearance wasn't didn't sort of pan out as he wanted it to. I, t- I still look at that though, and we will talk. That we've got a question about Raya and sort of Ramsdale that I'll sort of focus on a little bit later on in this. But I look at that; it wasn't like a nana, an anonymous state, wasn't it? He didn't mm-hmm. do it and roll it out to the edge of his area. You know, it, this was still pretty much near enough to the halfway line that his uh, the clearance went to. I thought Tomi Asu was a little bit flat-footed as well. The defender sort of was on it, and you know, he came charging in. Tomi Asu was kind of waiting for the ball to arrive. Um, but it was definitely, you know, it was a poor clearance from from. It was right, a handball too? It was a handball. Yeah, I do, I do, I do agree with Martin Kiyomi saying that afterwards, and I agree. I think that was a handball when it, in, in that situation, but. I mean, everything from that point forward was just masterfully done by Longs, wasn't it? The ball in, the control, the layoff, the finish, everything about it was just, it was a very, very special goal.
1: I, I, I think, and it's the, I think it's the same for the, the second goal, where my immediate response was like, oh, Gabriel should be getting across quicker, what's up with Arsenal's structure? And, you know, Zinchenko is a bit flat-footed, much like Tomiyasu, like you say, he's not live to, to the pressure and... You know, Raya, the clearance could have been better, but it's not an Onana-esque howler. And sometimes like, the games just hit you, don't they, where you make a half a mistake and your opponent just executes brilliantly from there. And I thought that was the case with both. I mean, I thought lons were a really good team, actually, because even when we go back to those periods where Arsenal were in control, it was sort of control without getting the shots, without getting that final pass through. Danso, um, really good performance by him. And I think that's the sort of with, with the game, with the the goals, it just feels like, oh, yeah, one team executed, and that's what Arteta was 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 banging on about as well. One team executed their their some of their four or five openings, two of them. Arsenal executed one, um, and that's also why I I, I struggle to sort of put it in this bigger picture because it's just that those nights are going to come along in every season where. You know your opponent plays pretty well. You're okay, not at your best, and it it happens. You know, like you like you said, nine, 99 times out of a hundred, uh, Wahi, who looked great, uh, isn't going to execute that pass. Uh, Thomason's not going to make that finish. Frankowski's not going to make that cross. So there's little things. There's loads of little things in this game, but you know, there's not there's not this one thing I can p- pick out and say. That's it. That's that's the, the easy fix or the reason that Arsenal lost.
2: No, when you look at the stats, here, I've got them on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube. Arsenal had more shots, had six on target. I mean, Lon's only had three shots on target. You know, Mikel said after the game, the difference was in both boxes. And he said against PSV, the difference was in both boxes. But we, we were on the right end of that. And he were, you know, Arsenal was so clinical against PSV. They took their chances. PSV had some openings themselves. They didn't take advantage of them. And it was kind of just flipped on its head. Last night, Arsenal had some really big opportunities. I mean, Jesus' goal was probably the hardest opportunity they had, mm. really. And then, you know, Tommy Asu, how he didn't score from the corner when it was a 1 1, you know, just a, a minute basically before Lon scored their goal. Trossard straight after half time goes through. And it was just like the deflections as well that were happening. Like that keeper that was saved and it was going he straight was amazing, to Jesus, wasn't he? Yeah, and he made the save, but it was going straight to Jesus and it just hit the defender who didn't know anything about it and then went back to the goalkeeper, you know, easily that could have been an own goal. And then you look at the clearance at the end from, uh, it was Rhys Nelson's shot as well. You know, the defender knows nothing about it really and how it doesn't go through his legs. It's like, you know, on another day, that's, that's a, that's a goal. it, It was just a weird one. The fact that I didn't, Arsenal didn't play well. Look, they didn't, I thought the second half, especially they really tailed off from, we'll get on to Saka from when Saka went off. Basically, they just didn't really have any sort of threat. I think Lons knew that, they weren't really going to be tested in behind, and they were allowed. They sort of grew in confidence because of that. But still, the chances were there for Arsenal to get something out of that game. I, Lon certainly couldn't have complained if Arsenal got a draw out of that game. I don't, I don't think. And for them, it was just a really, obviously, a very, very special night. It was, and um, you got to, you got to congratulate them for that. But I don't think it's not the worst. It wasn't the worst performance I've, se- I've seen from Arsenal. It certainly wasn't anywhere near to being the best, but I don't think it was the worst. And like you, I kind of look at it and I think this is just a Champions League away night. You're going to get these sort of games. Mm. I was really, really surprised in the build-up to this game how many people seemed to be writing off Lons and thinking this was like a Carabao Cup match against a League Two side. I just just couldn't believe it. i like rotate everyone play it play the play a league cup team, you know, literally throw the kids I was just like, this is Lonza, what this is a team who will finish one point behind PSG. Yes, they haven't started this season very well, but they are a good team who don't concede many goals at all. Who last season, I think their home record in the league last season was one played 19, won 17, drew one, lost one. You know, they and this was their first game in Champions League for 20 odd years at home. It was always going to be one of occasion and a really, really difficult game for Arsenal. So I wasn't surprised at all at how it ended up panning out. Disappointed, yes, but I wasn't overly surprised at how this panned out. And I think it was just a real eye-opener, to uh, not just to Arsenal and their players, but to a lot of Arsenal fans that, you know, you go away in the Champions League, every single game is difficult. You are not going to breeze past every single team.
1: Yeah, and I have to hold my hands up and say I was one of those people who said, look, you know, they've beaten Strasbourg and Toulouse this season and... They lost Fafana, Appenda, all those players. I thought this should be pretty easy. And, you know, I, I think there's a thing where, I, you know, I would disagree with you. I, I mean, I wouldn't have gone full Carabao Cup on this game. But I do think kind of the reason that Arsenal didn't win it doesn't necessarily have much to do with the sort of quality of the the starting eleven. It, it was just a night where kind of, as we've said, lon's executed brilliantly in both boxes like arteta said you know samba i thought was sensational and you can mm. sort of see why he is rated i think he's nominated for the yashin award isn't he and uh, if he's been playing like that all season he deserves to win it like arsenal could have won this with more with with, with a more rotated team but you know like it, that it, it, it was just a sort of slightly random game where their chances didn't break the way they wanted and 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 Lons is did and that like you say that happens in Europe and I think that that atmosphere it it, it maybe is the the swing factor that mean that Lons are just confident that they can execute these things they might not otherwise and Arsenal are a little bit inhibited and that swings what should have been like you said a a one-all or a two-two into a two-one to Lons yeah all
2: right Let's, oh, talk, let's talk let's talk Bakayo shall we now all there was so much debate leading up to this game about resting Saka and like you said there you thought maybe they could have rotated and he was certainly the player that all the focus was on I didn't think I didn't think he should have rested him for this game I think if you're going away for a Champions League game you play your best players and Bakayo Saka was one of Arsenal's best players as long as he wasn't injured, as long as he wasn't going into the game, you know, and they knew he was injured, then you know I was quite happy for him to start. I felt like he should have started. Obviously, what he's limped off the last two games, which is not ideal, but they were both sort of impact injuries. What what he suffered last night was clearly a you know some sort of muscle problem. We will remain we sort of wait to see how bad it's going to be. But um, you know, trained all week, he was happy. The medical staff were happy that this wasn't an injury that was going to. You know impact him in the game whether it played a part. I don't know. I'm we, none of us are ever going to know if maybe he was, you know, I don't know if you're carrying some sort of injury that can make you favor the, a different side and end up getting a hamstring straight. I don't know, but I wasn't surprised. at Mikel, well, I knew Mikel was going to start him, he was never going to rest Saka for this game, he was always going to play him. I think what I, you know, if I was going to rest Saka, I'd arrest him against Bournemouth. I think that's the game if you're looking at this big, big week, I think you rest him against Bournemouth. you got comfortably got enough to see off Bournemouth about Bakaio Saka, in my opinion, even though he did score, and and as he always does. Um, and then you go play him at Lons and you've got five days until Manchester City at home. You know, you get back last night on a Tuesday night. Mm. You've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, there's loads of time to get ready for Manchester City. So, you know, I, I'm not in the camp that he should have been rested last night. Obviously in hindsight now, I bloody well wish he was,
1: but yeah, uh, but I don't think he should have been. Do you think he should have been? Well, I do. I mean, I, what I would agree with you with is if I'd been sort of sketching out this week, and I know you kind of got to look back to the fact he didn't play in the EFL Cup before, but you know, I would have taken these three games as a week-long block leading up to the international break. Um, I mean, and hey, on the bright side, Maybe is not going to have to play 180 minutes for England. So, you know, every very dark cloud has the faintest silver lining. Like, I agree he shouldn't have played the Bournemouth game. That would have been the top one. But having played that, having had a knock, and like you say, we don't know. We don't know whether the knock affected anything. Well, he's been training all week. So yeah, clearly, I don't think, I, clearly
2: I don't think it, it it did, did it? He's been training all week. So,
1: But there's nothing wrong with just giving even the very best players, even the players that you're saying have to play 70 games a season. There's nothing wrong with just giving them a breather every once in a while, just holding Saka on the bench for this one game. If he's needed at 45, 60 minutes, throw him in then. I mean, this is a squad game. Reese Nelson, you've just signed to a, a big contract for four years. You have Emile Smith-Rowe, you have Eddie Nketiah, you know, with Gabriel Jesus playing out wide. The options are there. Like, use your squad to the fullest, not least because you have to make the call of, can you know, how can we make sure that everyone is full tilt, full steam ahead for this City game, which is the one that could define Arsenal season? If Arsenal beat City at least once in the two Premier League games, I think they have an outside chance of winning the title. If they lose home and away to City, they have next to no chance. And so I would just, you know, what Guardiola does in games like this is he just holds back two or three. The only sort of really senior player that was left out of that team was Ben White. It just feels a little bit like Arteta is robbing himself of the opportunity to have as many players as possible going into this game at full tilt. I, the thing is, even before Saka got that knock, and I know he made a great interception for the assist, I thought he looked a little tired. Like, just looked like a player that's been playing constantly. I'm not, and, and I, I am, I, I, I am super sympathetic to Arteta's view that the very best players have to play so many games. You just have to find some moments in a season. That's good management. You've got a good squad. Use it. And he's not. And now... You know, we'll come to talk about the team for City, but it becomes so much more complicated, especially, and this is almost the, the one final thing I would say on this. There's no Gabriel Martinelli in the, the squad on Tuesday night. There may well not be on Sunday. That means there is only one sort of senior option who really offers you that burst in behind. You know, let's, let's take Nelson out of the equation. There's only one potential starter, I would say, that offers you that burst in behind. Wrap that one in cotton wool because you're going to want him to play against City at his very best. You know, This is the big going to be the biggest game of Arsenal season. Everything you do should be done with one eye on that game. And I just, I'm not sure Arteta did. I think it was a little naive.
2: Yeah, I can see the argument. <laughs> we normally I, agree, don't we? I, I, we do normally agree. I can see the argument. But again, I just think they rested him last weekend, last week. So he didn't play in midweek. He played, what, 70 minutes against Bournemouth in the space of... What ten days? Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm. I think he could play. as long as he wasn't carrying an injury, and they say he wasn't, so I've got to take that on face value. Yes, he limped off against Bournemouth, but that was an impact injury that happens, and you know he obviously was fine to train pretty much the next day. So I just I don't know. I I just think this this is a Champions League game. It's not a Carabao Cup second round game. It's a game you need to win. You know Arsenal are up against it in the group now. I think they'll still go through, but they're up against it in the group because they've lost a game, and I think it's a. I think it's a problem for Arteta. I think Saka's almost a problem because he's that good. And, and it represents a problem. And we saw what happened when he went off yesterday. Arsenal suddenly just looked much, much worse because Bakaya so Saka wasn't, wasn't on the pitch. And, and that's a problem. And there are certain players in certain teams who are that important to a team that in big games, and I do honestly think yesterday was a big game, that they need to play if they're fit. And so that's why I was of the opinion that he's fit. It's, it's like, and I flagged it, you know, Bellingham is playing every game for Real Madrid. and They, they weren't going to rest him yesterday against Napoli. And he'll play this weekend. Yes, people say, oh, but he didn't limp off injured, but I still, the weekend before, but I still go back to the fact that Sacamea limped off injured, but he's tra- He's back training again the next day. So it's not, it wasn't, and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, the Arsenal didn't believe it was an injury. So, um, and even if Real Madrid had had a derby against I don't know how El Clasico coming up this weekend. I still reckon Bellingham would have started against Napoli, and they're, they're just players that are that important. And for me, Saka and it is almost a problem that uh, that Arsenal have got that Arteta has got now. That he's that good, that he's that influential. That even on the pitch yesterday, you say he was tired, and he he, he may well have been. He still set up the goal. Pretty much every yeah. goal Arsenal score, Saka either sets it up or scores it. <laughs> He, and that's why he just, for me, he needs, to, he needs to be on the pitch there. He needs to be managed better. And I do think Arteta has managed him badly so far, but I still go back to the Bournemouth game there. I don't play him in that game or the second Havertz makes it three nil, take him off the pitch. That's where you manage him in no mm. sort of games. But I think in a Champions League away night in a game, you really have to win to try and take full control of the group. I don't think you're in a position to, to play, to rest for Kiyosaka. I'm just, even with Manchester City to come at the weekend, especially when there's five days to go until the Manchester City game.
1: But I know, and I know this is curious because Arsenal have just lost to them, but it is Lons. Yeah, you but know, it's, Lons,
2: it... it's Lons away. And, and it's, it, for me, it doesn't really matter who the opposition is. It's a big Champions League. Way. Arsenal have waited seven years to get in the Champions League. They need to make sure they get through the group. <laughs> like, I don't think they're in a position to be resting their best players already after just one game of a group you know they've got three really difficult away games to go they need they need to get something from those away games and it might only be Lons but you know this is a Lons team that just beat Arsenal 2-1 that uh, that finished one point behind PSG last season in the league and are virtually unbeatable at home and have been for the last cu- couple of years so it was never going to be an easy game and you know, Mikel was talking afterwards. He was asked, you know, by the, by the journos in the presser, if there was any regrets. He said no. Again, he said he was perfectly fine after what happened at the weekend. This was a different type of injury. He's trying to back it all, and it's just a muscle problem. And he said it wasn't related at all to the knocks he'd picked up recently. And again, you've got to take that on face value, I think, and, you know, hope that that is the case. And again, everything that I've said here, if, if it somehow emerges that Arsenal knew he was carrying a, a problem... Yes then I take it all back. And then it was terrible management and they deserve every bit of criticism they got. But if he went into this game feeling injury-free and fine, I just don't think, I don't think you rested in that game, my personal opinion. But I, I I know I'm very much on my, nearly on my own in that view. Uh, I doesn't...
1: don't, well, no, no, I don't think so. I mean, certainly when I kind of put out an article saying it's, you know, and, and this is the thing, it's because it's the City game. It is the absolute, Biggest game of the season, and it you know it will be in May. It's the it's the game that can redefine Arsenal season or define Arsenal season. That's the that's the thing. Yeah. It's you know, and it's you have to balance. Yes, I know it's it, like you say. i I'm, It feels like I'm not taking Lon seriously. I'm just but taking. Why are we saying
2: it about Declan Rice then? Because Declan Rice is equally but, as important to Bukayo Saka. So should Rice have been arrested last night as well? Because Arsenal got Manchester City at the weekend.
1: Like, quite possibly. Like, if I and and Saliba as well. Like, this is want Arsenal to lose every away game in the Champions League. (laughs) League, I I mean, the the thing is, there is such a margin for error in those games compared to this one game against. And I know it's sort of that thing of, look, you you know, people I am sure watching this saying, James, there is thirty eight Premier League games and six Champions League group games, but there is two potential Premier League title six pointers. And if Arsenal could, if Arsenal could get four points against City this season, and I think the frustration for me it also comes down to we never saw the best version of Arsenal against City last season, and it's really frustrating to lose a player that gives City so many difficulties when he's when he's on song. I do I do totally understand what Arteta's done and why, and it's easy for me to say it when I don't have to make the decisions, when I wouldn't have to justify to the traveling fans, why I hadn't played, who would I not play? Right. Uh, I would not play Saliba, Zinchenko, Rice, Erdegaard, Saka, at least. Um, (laughs) And like, yeah, I think there would be a lot of very annoyed Arsenal fans if I was in charge, but I wouldn't have made it this far through a season anyway. Um, I just think I, I would feel a lot better about that if, Arsenal went into City at, at full tilt. And I I, look, I, I know City is really, really important.
2: I know City is really important, but I would kind of fall into that category of saying that there are another 30 whatever games of the Premier League season left. And I don't think as much as yeah, it would be brilliant for Arsenal to speak Man City, I do think as was proven at the weekend, there are plenty of teams who can take points off Man off Man City this season.
1: Um, yeah, I'm gonna write a piece of what Arsenal can learn from Craig Dawson. And
2: <laughs> so I don't know. I just think there's Arsenal got off to a great start in the Champions League without winning against PSC. If they could have, if they'd have won last night at Lons, they'd be in such a strong position in this group yeah. now. And then you can start resting resting players a little bit later, later on, once qualifications secured or pretty much secured. Now they're in a big fight. And you know, I think Saka stays on that pitch yesterday, they win. And that's because of how important he is. So it doesn't surprise me. Right.
1: Don't you think that's Seville? Just before we I guess we're gonna move on from Champions League now, but The worry now, and this is, you know, in defence of your point, is Seville away next, you know, away in Seville next. That's, a, like you say, another really tough place to go, Uh, a place where they get great results. And um, I just feel like going into the den of Sergio Ramos, it's um, a bit, that's going to be a tough one. And that one, yeah, give me Erdegaard, give me Saka, give me everyone I can get for that game. I think that'll be really tough. And it is so disappointing, like you say, that Arsenal are now going to be, it's, it's going to be a long, hard slog to get top spot.
2: Yeah, right. Actually, before we move on, should we laugh at Manchester United? Oh, before we leave, Before we leave, but that's, that is actually really annoying. I said it as I was leaving my dad's house yesterday. It's like uh, the, one of the most annoying thing about Arsenal losing that game is that I can't sit here now just enjoying myself at what's going on at Manchester United at the moment and laughing at that, how they managed to throw that one away yesterday with... Uh, yeah, what was Anana doing for Acardi's goal? I know he got a lot of grief for the penalty, for the penalty, and it was obviously a very, very bad mistake. You are going to get that from Anana, though. We've seen it already so far this season. But I'm not having what he did for Acardi's goal. I mean, that was a rubbish lob, I think, from Acardi from way out. If Anana just stands there, it's not like he was. It was one of those ones where you dink it over him as the keeper dives at your feet. He was about ten yards away from him, and he still commits himself and lets that go in.
1: What are they doing? what are they doing with this guy? No word of a lie. He was one of the best goalkeepers in the world when he signed him, in my opinion. And, you know, go and look at what he did in this competition with Inter, Inter Milan. He was, yeah, it, it, one of the. it is one of the greatest seasons in the Champions League any goalkeeper has ever had. And they they ruined him. They've broken him. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I've been asking sort of people that have been in the game about why this is. It, it really feels like a culture thing. Like there's something so rotten at Manchester United that top class goalkeepers can turn up there and within a matter of weeks, they sort of forget how to do their job. I mean, Casemiro looks like a one-man uh, liability within a year of, and you know, they're all saying, oh, we don't need Declan Rice. We've we've bought our 31-year-old midfielder for £70 million. Everyone at that that, that team it's just getting worse by the game and you know the one thing we and like you said it's so annoying that we don't just get to do a whole 28 minutes on this because Arsenal won 2-0 at Lons and it was boring but like someone that like I I, I do do get every Man United fans frustration with the Glazers and frustration with the way this club's going but um, I want to be asking some questions of Ten Hag and the way he's setting his team up and did you see, Sof- so- I know he just played a long ball, but Sofyan Amrabat, inverted left back, who's never played that role before, is thrown in to do it kind of on a whim. Uh, yeah. That didn't work out very well, did he? He's playing Icardi on by about 15 yards. Yeah. Ugh. I wish i did. play it
2: one, uh, Hoyland, second goal was very, very good. I didn't realise mm. he was that fast. He looks like a right monster. That
1: was a serious pace to get away from his man. Um, Remember the Emirates game, I was just that whole half hour. I was like, oh, thank God. As much as there's this sort of, oh God, he's going to do a Rashford, isn't he? Or uh, I've had so many young strikers that just turn it on against Arsenal. I was like, thank God we're not playing him in two months time. He looks
2: a, He looks a handful. He does look a real handful and surprisingly quick. I was very surprised at that turn of pace. And even the goal that he scored that was disallowed, I thought it was a really good really good finish. So, um, yeah, he does look he does look all right. So, right, let's let's stop about Manchester United and let's focus on Manchester City now, shall we?
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
2: So, if you're watching this YouTube, I just brought up a, a slide from Gunnaramas. He said, if Saka is injured, who would you prefer? Who would be your preferred player to play there? You know, we're talking about the weekend now. Personally, I would go for Jesus, Havertz as a target man, and Trossard as the front three. What is your opinion? So, and I've drawn up my my 11 that I would go for James for this weekend and I'm going to put it, it, it on in a minute but before I know before I do it I want to see what I want to hear what your starting 11 for the weekend is going to be and see how different they, they are.
1: Okie doke we'll start a goalkeeper David Raya I know it was a bad mistake but I'll stick with him I think he's had more good games than bad white Gabriel uh, Saliba Gabriel Zinchenko I'm going to go Thomas Partey at the base of midfield. Martin Erdegaard, of course. And then Declan Rice as the left eight. And then, um, and I know that's a bit of a risk given. It's been a while since Partey's played, but I loved how well that trio played against City in the Community Shield. And then, like Gunnaramas, Jesus on the right. Havertz up top, up top again, based on that last City game. And Trussard off the left. That, there you go. I think that's probably the best I can do, given... We're assuming Saka's out, Martinelli's out, and uh I mean it'd be great if Timber was fit, but you know. Uh, if yeah, only.
2: It would be great. Well, remarkably
1: Oh, you've done mine already. How did you know?
2: They are exactly the same. You've just selected the same eleven that I would have gone for. I yeah. I think that's yeah. the eleven he should play for me, if obviously Saka's out. I think you d I think you definitely bring Party in and you definitely move rice further up. I think that midfield three is just the kind of dream for these kind of games. I would have Jesus on the right. I'm looking at the other options Arsenal have. You know, I like Reese Nelson, but I think if I'm playing Reese Nelson, I'm playing him on the left rather than on the right. Mm. Jesus has played on the right a lot. I don't like Jesus on the left that much, what we've seen, but I like him on the right. He's done it really well for Manchester City in big, big games. And I would, I thought Havertz played well against City in the Community Shield. And every time I've seen Havertz this season, I've preferred him when he's been playing in that, nine role than than in the left eight role and you know, I thought that I think there are a couple of questions about Havertz actually and I thought Havertz was pretty disappointing again yesterday yeah, yeah. he had that shot it was nice he set up the chance for Trossard but I just don't know I just you want to see him I don't know just show a bit of aggression or intensity or something in that midfield role you need that in midfield don't you you really you need to snap into tackles you need to do just do something and I just I'm not seeing it from Haberts at all yet to make me believe that he has a future playing as a left-sided eight now it's still very early days he might hopefully go on and prove me wrong but I'm still not seeing it when I've seen him play as a nine or the false nine whatever you want to call it I think he I think I've quite liked what he's seen there when he's closer Mm. to goal and um I think that would be a good option to play City at the weekend
1: can I ask, if if Saka's fit, who comes out of your team there? Let's have it. Saka's at full power. Havertz. Have
2: Jésus plays up front. Havertz comes out of the team. Jésus plays as nine. But I
1: still have Rice, Odegaard, party as a midfield. Yeah, I probably agree, which is quite something, because I thought Havertz was... I don't know if, it, again, it's sort of in retrospect that I'm misremembering kind of how we played against City and the Community Shield... But yeah, I I, I I would, again, I would do the same. And even though I don't think Trossard's been sensational in the games he's come in, um, other than maybe the PSV game, I just, I feel like sort of Havertz is going in there by, by default, really. Um, yeah, it does. I look at that team and I think, oh, I really, really hope and pray for Arsenal that, one of Saka and Martinelli, and I, I think Martinelli is a total long shot to be available. But you never oh, know. Not, you know.
2: Martinelli's not going to play. Is he? He's not. No. He's not even trading yet. There's no way he comes. He comes straight into the team, even if he is. I
1: just considered. want someone to. I, I wouldn't change that front three, but I would love to have someone in there that can stretch play in behind. That will be the big challenge for Jesus as well, won't it? It's, can yeah. he be both the right winger, a true right winger in the way Saka is? And also, like Arsenal's best goal threat, because yeah, I, I fear Arsenal might not get much of that from Havertz.
2: Yeah, I mean, this on screen here is the lineup for the Community Shield, the team that started the Community Shield. So, obviously, we had Martin Odegaard, Thomas Party, and Declan Rice is that midfield three. And then we had the Martinelli and Saka, either side of Havertz, who played the nine, because Jesus wasn't. Did Jesus, was he on the bench? I can't remember. Was he? No, that was no, no, he that got I was he got, he got misremembering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's such a it is such a blow not having and Martinelli. It's like like you said, you know, the fact that you're kind of without one of them was bad enough, but to be without two of them is just it makes Arsenal just a completely different team, doesn't it? Because they've just got no players who can offer what what those two do in terms of the pace, of the the um, just how direct they are, how much they stretch the play. It's yeah, it's going to be a, you know Arsenal going to have to work very very hard for this against City now without those two up
1: front. You know, the funny thing looking at this lineup as well, other than Ramsdale and Raya, I look at that team there and I think that's the and swapping out Havertz for Jesus. And I think, you know, Raya, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Timber, Partey, Erdegaard, Rice, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli, that is the big game team that really could have taken Arsenal on another level this season. And God, we, we might not see it all season. We just might not whenever Timber's back. Um, Cause even if he is by then, you kind of have to assume there'll be other injuries. It's so frustrating because last year, the joy of Arsenal was they got in this rhythm with this settled team. And I don't think that was ever going to happen, but you know, we probably do need to start talking about Zinchenko. And I see that question up there. It feels like, uh, he, you know, he is not even as good as he was last season defensively. And I would as much as I would be very confident playing him in any game, I think Arsenal are already missing Timber a little bit.
2: Yeah. So Justin O'Neill here is sending a question saying when Timber is fit, does he start over Zinchenko? I don't think Zinny gives us defensive cover that is worth having him as a number one. Yes, he's top class at going forward, but he's a weak link in the back line. I'd start Tommy Asu over Zinchenko. Uh, I wouldn't go that far and start Tommy Astro over Zinchenko. I, do, do you think Zinchenko is missing Granit Xhaka? In yeah. A way? Are, are we seeing the fact that Xhaka not there dropping into that sort of position to cover for Zinchenko when he goes forward? You know, Havertz playing in that role just doesn't do it like Granit Xhaka did. And is, is this a, you know, as much as I do agree. And I thought yesterday Lons exploited that. I thought Zinchenko when he was on the ball, he did a lot of good stuff. But there's no doubt that Lons exploited the space behind him as we saw for the second goal, and they did it all night long, and we've seen other teams do it. So he is being targeted, I think, by opposition teams at the moment. So, um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on on that?
1: Yes, it's totally the right question to ask, and I, I completely think he is missing Jacka. That is not a criticism of Havertz, because everyone knew, including Mikel Arteta, that bringing Havertz in as the left eight, the hope was you would get more offensively, but everyone knew you weren't going to get the same defensive instincts that Xhaka has. He's so good at sort of spotting danger, even if he's not always the quickest at getting to it. Um, I, th- I think that there should be things Arsenal can do to, to make that a bit better. I thought for that Lon's second goal, you know, I was crying out for Rice to be back quicker, it taking the sort of centre point, of a back three, or the, you know, moving into central defence, so Gabriel can get wide. I don't think it's unsolvable, and you have to solve it because you know we're not going to be seeing here in Timber Timber for a fair while now. But yeah, it is a real, it is a real um challenge for Zinchenko at the moment. Just cut, and maybe what the answer is, he needs to sort of a little bit curb those attack-minded instincts. Thing is, if um, you're
2: going to do that, if you're going to kerb, in, it's almost no no point well in being in the team.
1: Asu. Yeah,
2: it, it, it's almost no point in being in the team if you're going to kerb in attacking instincts, aren't you? you? just like that, but like Justin said, you just play Tommy Asu over him if that's what you are really asking from your from your left back.
1: The one thing to to maybe say about this specific game is that it looks like more and more Pep is sort of actually not really playing with an out and out right winger. It might be someone like Carl Walker bombing on, and you know, I mean. God knows with Pep and big games. If it's that, yeah. As much as Walker has the pace to sprint in behind Zinchenko, it's maybe a little bit less of something that would worry me than if it was a, a Mares or even a, a Bernardo Silva who might be back um, going at at Zinchenko. That would worry me a little bit more. Yeah.
2: So on Havertz. We've got a couple here in North London Forever. My (laughs) question is, Arteta has a soft heart when it comes to Kai. Let Smith-Rowe get into that position and our type of play will flow. Why is everyone at the club bending over backwards to integrate Haberts, and he gets at least 70 minutes most games, but ESR can't get any game time in the same role, says Ricky Chambers. I, you know, I want to be patient with Kai Haberts. I really, really do. But the longer this goes on, The more I just think there is no way I can't watch these games and think that Smith Rowe would not be offering a hell of a lot more in that position at the moment. You know, he's not, you know, you talk about there that Arteta knew that Havertz wouldn't be able to offer the same sort of thing defensively as Granite did, but the hope was he would deliver more in the final third. That's not happening. And it doesn't show any sign of it really happening. I mean, Smith Rowe was on the pitch for, what, 20 minutes yesterday? Had a couple of shots that were saved. He was on the pitch for less than that against Bournemouth on Saturday. Should have scored, but still got in the position to have two really good shots. You know, both again, which was saved. It wasn't that he totally missed them. And I just look at what he gives you at the moment, Smith Rowe, when he's on the pitch and he looks fit, he looks hungry. You saw how upset he was at the end of the Bournemouth game that he didn't score. You know, that was a player that's really determined to try and make his mark in the opportunities he's getting. And the longer it goes on, I just think, you know, is Arteta, is Mikel really sort of hurting himself and the team here by trying to persist with with Havertz? And I'm not saying this is all Havertz's fault, but I don't see why he should be definitely starting these games at the moment because we're just not... you You look at David Reier and Ramsdale, how ruthless he's been there. You know, Ramsdale didn't need to be taken out of the team. He's done nothing wrong. Didn't need to be taken out of the team, but Arteta has done it and he's described as ruthless for that. And yet Havertz is not performing. He's not really showing too much other than the neat and tidy stuff. And yet he's still continuing to play when others aren't getting opportunity. And I, I think the longer it goes on, the more the harder it is becoming to sort of not defend it
1: because I haven't defended it, but to understand it really. It it's feeling it's feeling perverse. But I mean we've we've talked there, you've talked there about Smith Row and rightly so. And I think there's something so frustrating about a player that everyone at Arsenal seems to be willing onwards, except Mikel Arteta, not getting those minutes that he is earning whenever he comes and plays 15 minutes, 70 minutes against Brentford. And Havertz is, he's just not earning the next start. And, you know, I'm just looking at his stats here. He's creating fewer chances than he did last season against Ch- for Chelsea when he, like everyone else, struggled. He's getting fewer. Sh- he's getting way fewer shots. You know he was, and I know he's, he was a centre forward then, so you have to factor that in. He has got two and a half shots for Chelsea. He's not even getting two with Arsenal. And a big part of this was he was supposed to be the late arriving player in the box that gets good quality shots up. I don't have the numbers to compare to Xhaka, but I, I feel like Xhaka was was giving you at least this level of offensive output with the the defense Fabio Vieira has I think proven that he merits the minutes as well it's yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to just see the 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 sort of outline of of where it's coming with Havertz as a left eight and I think sort of hammering it every three days or every every week is not improving the situation I don't think the situation is unsolvable but I think at the moment it's probably better addressed on the training ground with Arteta and his coaches you know take some time to draw him out of the spotlight out of out of fire a little bit we will you know we will talk about him when if he when he gets dropped when he doesn't play three games in a row we doesn't start three games in a row but eventually it will be a bit less of a conversation piece a bit he's still a 65 million pound signing but right now, it's sort of not helping anyone. Just hammering away, hoping that this issue will resolve itself because it doesn't. He he didn't look any better as a left eight last night than he did six weeks ago. No. So the best thing to do is is help him learn that position away from the spotlight, which is what Fabio Vieira did. That's why I'm inclined to give Arteta and his coaching staff patience and time. Um, you know, I I think there's a player there waiting to be unearthed. But I mean, I'm doing that a bit on faith, to be frank. Yeah. Like, I, I it, I'm not seeing the performances, and it's, it's not worth hammering away at it anymore when it, it isn't working. And there are alternatives in that mm. position. Let's see Fabio Vieira start regularly. Let's see Smith Rowe get those minutes as well. Why? Then, why do you, you think know, there's
2: a reluctance? So why? You know because he's not stupid, Mikel, Obviously, and so why, why do you think there is a reluctance on his part to? to play to give Smith Rowe starts in that position. Because I've you know, he it from me watching it the last few games, he fully warrants a go in that position. And I don't think there's no way he would do any worse than than Kai Havertz at the moment. He said. There's no way. In fact, you know, I'm 100 percent confident that he would do far, far more.
1: <laughs> I mean let's call a spade a spade. Only Arteta knows here. And I, I mean I would include Emile Smith Rowe in the people that doesn't don't really know what it is that Arteta doesn't fancy about him It is something we, you know, we hear a lot, don't we in our reporter in, in our reporting capacity that when you are out with Arteta, it can be really hard to know why and what mm. you need to fix. And, you know, we spoke to Smith row last week. Um, it, it was quite a, a downbeat interview for a guy that's made his first start in 499 days. I don't ever, you know, he did say, look, Arteta's helped me a lot, but he didn't really say in what exactly. Um, and I think a lot of it was on the training ground. I'm not sure that there's a real, you know, when we asked the question of Arteta as well, he won't say, this is what Smith Rowe needs to do to improve his, you know, keep playing, keep working. And I think only he knows what it is. And frankly, I think only he knows what it is he's seeing in Havertz that that justifies these opportunities because I've seen plenty of other big money Arsenal signings. who have had to fight scrap to get in the starting 11. Um You know, even, even, you know, I remember Kieran Tierney, He had to really battle to get his place over, off Nuno Tavares. And it just feels like Havertz is getting, I mean, even Capri Jesus had to, you know, do some shifts on the left wing to make room for Eddie and Ketia. It feels like allowances are being made for Havertz that aren't being made for, Smith Rowe that aren't being made for anyone else in the team, really. And I don't, I don't have the answer and no one has the answer. And I think that's what's, what has led to such a vituperative aggressive conversation over Kai Havertz where every, everything you do is, is taking a a stand on him. It, it, you know what it feels like, mate? And I hate to sort of bring this up again. It feels like those wars we had, or the, the the Arsenal fan community had four or five years ago about every player, where you have to pick your side, where every any time you make his name mention his name, you are either Havertz in or Havertz out. Yeah, and I'm very much not Havertz out. I think he
2: absolutely needs time to settle to adjust to a completely new position in mm. under a manager who a lot of players say takes a year to understand what he wants and stuff like that. But I just don't know why he needs to be starting every single game. You know, you can you can do that. You can ease him in. You can play him off the bench. You can start him, then you can take him off. You can play him as a nine. I just I just when you see someone who's clearly struggling so much to have an impact in that position, I just think you you're getting to a point where it's really sort of hurting hurting the team now to continue doing it, especially when there are players who are coming off the bench and showing in the brief time that they're on the pitch that they can have far more of an impact in that in that position. So um, you know, if, if Havert starts on at the weekend, which I presume he will, I'd mm-hmm. like I said, I'd very much like to see him as the nine rather than the uh, the left eight. And whether Thomas Party's return might, might change that. Um, uh, we shall see. Quick one here. Ooh, let's bring it up. Ben Stewart, where do you think this leaves the goalkeeper situation? They're both clearly capable, but a mistake from Raya cost us against Lons. Thanks for your question, Ben. Um, see, I'm not sure it was, a, it was a poor clearance. I don't know if that's a mistake. I mm. don't know. It obviously, it didn't go to where he wanted it to go to, and so yeah, I suppose you can label it as, a, as an error. We're into VAR human error terms here. Oh um, God, yeah, uh, but I don't know. You know, a lot, a lot still had to happen for that to end up as a goal. It was, you know, you seen you see that happen all the time. A goalkeeper clears up to in and around the halfway line, and it gets intercepted, it gets cleared. You know, it wasn't, as I said earlier, an anonymous mistake passing the ball out from the back to your to your six and getting it all wrong and playing yourself into trouble. So. And I thought, other than that, I didn't think Ryan did anything wrong. In fact, I thought he played all right yesterday. You know, yeah. again, everything, everything he needed to do, he did well. He didn't have a chance of either of the goals. Um, it was just that one clearance. So I'm not sure this leaves the goalkeeper situation anywhere, to be honest. I don't think it changes it at all. Um, I think Ryan still absolutely plays at the weekend. I don't think Ramsdale comes back in. Um, I don't know if you agree with that.
1: Yeah, completely. Um, Ram- didn't take Ramsdale doing anything wrong this season to get dropped. So I don't particularly think a sort of half error by Raya would, would change Arteta's mind on, on who he thinks is the number one. Um, it's pretty clearly Raya, isn't it? And if you're willing to expend in that, all that cap, you know, political capital within Arsenal and, and take the risk of, of benching one of your most high profile popular players, you can't be the sort of manager that, that bends in the wind and and drops in because of what you said was a not an error uh, like a half error uh, a moment of slightly poor play that doesn't I I bet it's not logged as a uh, error leading directly to goal by Opta.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd be surprised if it's like I said it happened on the halfway Check line. It. There was a lot of things that had to happen for that goal ball to end up in the net after that. So I'm not, I don't put it down right. Look, we're we're getting towards the I wanted to end on this because I think it's a really good debate. From Janos, it says, is Rodri being suspended or Saka being out a bigger blow for the game this weekend? Which I thought was a really interesting one. Obviously, we know Rodri is like not available because this is the last game of his suspension. Yeah, I don't. I think it, it depends. I think Saka being out at the same time as Martinelli is... You know, a huge thing. I think if Martinelli was fit and playing and Saka was out, I'd probably say Rodri being out for City is the bigger of the two because it gives Arsenal a real chance to dominate that midfield. And I think you look at City's stats when Rodri isn't playing. He obviously, they miss him a lot. We saw that a weekend against Wolves. But I think Saka being out on top of Martinelli being out, I think that represents more of a problem probably for Arsenal than City being out without Rodri. But
1: I don't know if you agree. I don't quite, He's. I mean, for one thing, Roger is so
2: good. He is so good.
1: <laughs> and he has this way, doesn't he, of, especially against Arsenal, leaving his his mark, both metaphorically and actually, on these games. And I don't know who, you know, I, I would assume that, that Guardiola will will play uh, two from Kovacic, Bernardo if he's fit, Nunez or maybe someone like Stones again if he's fit moves up field. Yeah, Did, was Kovacic Phillips, holding against Wolves? Yeah, wasn't it Kovacic and Nunez? I mean, Nunez had a shocker, didn't he? he was off at half time. It's it, it. It's almost that thing of if you'd asked me this question last season, I might have said differently because I'm not sure Arsenal could have really bullied City. But if Partey's fit and starts, you know, that is two players in him and Rice who you would sort of back to win every aerial, every 50 50 duel to just. And I know Kovacic is underrated defensively for what he does, but he can't assert himself on the game in the same way that, that Rice can. And, and I, I love the idea of sort of Rice in ball carrier mode going at a Nunez. And sort of saying, "All right, mate, how are you going to get this ball off me?" So, I think just because of the makeup of City's squad, I feel like they have fewer—they have—they have have many fewer answers to that big Arsenal midfield. Whereas, oh yeah, I know what you mean. One of Martinelli or Saka would just be so so helpful. Um, I feel like maybe you can get that from Jesus, and maybe late on you can get some of that threat in behind from Nelson. I don't think there's anything that City have that can really plug that Rodri-shaped hole. So mm-hmm. I know we're both kind of thinking the same thing, but reaching different conclusions. So I think City are going to miss Rodri. But look, I've turned this game into the, the biggest in years for Arsenal, and it's only early October. So um, perhaps it's only natural I uh, overstate Rodri's importance. Do you think, and we've both
2: put him in our starting 11? Do you think Mikel will play Thomas Party, having not played any minutes whatsoever? Do you think he throws him straight into this starting 11? Or do you think he sticks with Rice <laughs> at the sticks?
1: Just like I did, I, I think it just about. It wouldn't shock me though if someone like Jorginho came in uh, and it sort of was more pure four two three one. Is 3 Jorginho and Rice sitting there, and he sort of like acknowledges that this is the way to do it. But takes the view of like Partey's not really ready to go. But it, I mean, it sounds like he's been recovering well for weeks. I know I reported yeah. last week it, he's on good, you know, he's on a good timescale. Even then, it sounded like a long shot. The worry might be that he's almost gone too fast, too quick. Um, I think it will really be a decision that's made as much by the medical team as it is by um, as it is by Arteta. I think though, if he's if he's ready to go, I think he does. What do you reckon?
2: I think he probably starts. I think the whole, you know, I I, I think it having that those two playing in these big games would be such a big reason why Rice signed and what you know, how that could change Arsenal. I think we saw it in the community shield. I think he probably starts. The my only issue is is Rice playing as that 8 and if there's no Sakura Martinelli, or Arsenal going to is Mikel going to think we have, we might not have enough offensively to hurt them, not enough goal threat, especially if you've got Rice as as the eight, because as good as he is, he's not a massive goal threat. And suddenly you're relying on just a couple of players maybe to get you a goal um, without Saka there. It makes me wonder if he One might One of whom looks he like he might... can't score. Yeah?
1: One of whom looks like he can't score. If yeah, he's that is charity. true. Yeah, if
2: my... Havertz <laughs> is free scoring, maybe that would. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think he probably starts. I, mean, I definitely want him to start. I think that having that three, it'd be really interesting to see Rice as, as the eight and what, what he can do and how, how he performs. I thought Rice was really good last night. Again, I thought he was by far and away Arsenal's best player. And mm. at times he was doing it pretty much by himself. I thought at times he looked really crestfallen at the end that they didn't get the win. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to him playing in that game. I have to say, I think it's going to be big. and Yeah, we'll see what happens. But look, we're at 58 minutes now. So we're pretty much... Done. I'm not going to end with predictions because I hate doing predictions. But um, yeah, are you going
1: on Sunday? Uh, that's certainly the plan, unless something changes in, in my personal life, or you know, Arsenal decide they don't want me there.
2: Okay, well I'll be there, not in the press box, obviously, but I'll give you a wave from the other side of the stadium. Oh. Um, I was just thinking, Arsenal's last three home games have been in the league. Have been United, Tottenham, Man City. Yeah, it's a bit of it's a proper sort of big game, big game, big game, isn't it? Not much time to breathe in that. You want. Kind of be nice to have a nice three o'clock uh, Bournemouth at home game coming up at the Emirates soon to enjoy, rather than the, just the nausea of going through these massive games all in a
1: row. It never rains, it pours. And uh, this game more than any other is the one that you just have a a sick feeling at the base of your stomach. Don't well, you, you been... built it
2: up to the biggest game in the last ten. Basically, the winner, the winner of this game wins the title on, on Sunday. Ah, yeah, it's playoffs, good, isn't it, yeah. for
1: the title? seems so <laughs> me
2: so yeah Arsenal can't afford to defeat anyway cheers mate thank you very much enjoy the rest of your week yeah and, you um, too man see you soon what's going on next week Arsenal got a midweek game international break oh there you go oh, got international break man oh that's a way to end this podcast on a downer thinking about the international break already okay well we'll what Tuesday probably works it? so we'll be I'll back see on you Tuesday, Tuesday in a regular yeah. spot yeah. Tuesday next week alright top man I'll see you on Sunday as well probably at the Emirates have a good one everyone thanks for watching or listening we'll be back next week Bye-bye. bye bye
1: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
0: Hi, I'm Ando. And I'm Fer. And we host Niñas Bien Podcasts